Hello Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and other places. I'm Andrew Frankel. With me is Roland and Dan. I don't know how to say either of your Daniel Kahn and Roland Bowler. I yes. What is it? How do you say it? Uh, it's pronounced underground. Under underground. <laughs> yes. Roland underground. Yeah. We this this is a new episode, a boys only episode of Oh So Curious. We are three curious boys, and uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a good show. We're talking about movies. We're talking about shows. We're I think we're talking about other stuff too. Um, in fact, Roland, would you like to take us through the rundown of what's happening today? Because I don't know. I don't mind at all. Let's do it. All right. First up, we have the quick hits or the quick cuts, as Andrew's mom likes to say. Oh, we're going to. OK. OK. <laughs> Next up, we have our review of Memory, Liam Neeson's new movie. Then we talk about our review of Moon Knight, episode five or six one of them who knows six. um yeah. it's it's one of the later episodes and then we talk about dating apps and the problems with them in the next episode we'll be talking about dr strange 2 so make sure you're getting your tickets and you have us on notifications to watch our review well that was a Good pretty stuff. well done rundown nicely thank done <laughs> thank you try. i learned from the well, best so. Yeah, I'm a beautifully coordinated. Yeah. Well, guys, we are doing a good job today. I will say that. Well, in that case, let's get started with those quick hits. Who did the quick hits this week? I think Brian. Brian? I think it was Brian. Brian. Yeah. Okay. Well, Brian. take us to Brian. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian Jennings. It's time for some quick hits. And here's what went down this week. Lots of announcements and sneak peeks from this week's CinemaCon. Disney and 20th Century Studios revealed the title for the long-anticipated, ever-so-delayed Avatar sequel from James Cameron. Coming to theaters on December 16th, it will be called Avatar, The Way of Water. Interesting. Is that a Mandalorian reference by Cameron, by the way? Um, actually, I wouldn't know because I haven't seen all the Mandalorians. So yeah, I need to go and finish that up. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is the way, I guess. Uh, but but still, yeah, I, I wouldn't know if it's the way because I, I haven't finished Mandalorian. Anyway, in other news, James Corden is leaving The Late Late Show in 2023. Oh, I missed that carpool karaoke. <sighs> Earlier this week, he announced the news on the show saying, quote, it's a really hard decision to leave because I'm so immensely proud of the show. Corden just signed a one-year extension with CBS to stay until summer 2023 and intends on, quote, going out with a bang. You go, James. Speaking of leaving, because that seems to be the theme for this week, apparently, uh, John Watts announced this week that he'll be leaving the Fantastic Four movie over at Marvel Studios. Hmm, wonder why. The departure was on amicable terms as Watts is just looking for a break from the superhero genre. Hmm, interesting. He's now headed to Apple TV Plus to direct George Clooney and Brad Pitt in a new movie about two rival fixers. Cool. Yeah, I think I would want to direct George Clooney and Brad Pitt too. But anyway, lastly, we have some trouble brewing in the, oh Jesus, no. I don't have friends, I got family. 
not not this again oh i, I don't even know if i want to read this last story i'm, I'm just i'm getting sick of this stuff i'm getting fed up we have some trouble brewing in yes the family you don't turn your back on family unbelievable director justin lynn announced this week that he is leaving fast x Hmm, i wonder why (laughs) after merely one week into production on the film He'll stay on as a producer, but Universal Pictures must now scramble to find a replacement while production continues. But hey, maybe Vin Diesel can hop into the director's chair. Honestly, I felt like he already has. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, if he did that, I don't know if it would be for the good of family, but it would be for the family, right? What's real is family. But yeah, that's that's the quick hits for this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed them. And by the way, before you before you leave, before you take off, have you been watching Moon Knight? Uh, because I haven't. Uh, there's one episode left to go, um, and I believe that's for season one to wrap up. And we've reviewed every episode so far. So make sure that you check out all of the episodes. Um, both of Moon Knight and of Oh So Curious and the reviews um, and let us know how you're enjoying the show um, but yeah those are the quick hits for this week I'm Brian Jennings and we'll see you next time recording in progress doing them quick hits doing them quick hits gotta do the quick hits cause Daniel told me so <laughs> that's so funny uh Gotta do the quick hits, gotta do the quick hits, gotta do the quick hits, cause Daniel told me to do the quick hits. Gotta do the quick hits, gotta do the quick hits, gotta do quick hits, cause Max didn't. That is so funny. Okie dokie. This was our assignment for the week. We got to go see Liam Neeson's Memory, which is about a hitman who is suffering with the early stages of Alzheimer's. It's it's a different take on an action movie. He's fantastic in it. We see depth, we see action, we see him cauterize a, his own bullet wound, which was, yikes, I mean, that was a tough scene to watch. Um, and we also get a little bit of insight into some of the conflicts on the U.S.-Mexico border around Texas and El Paso, um, where we are seeing child trafficking, we are seeing um, immigration detainment centers, and um, a bit of a power struggle between the FBI and local law enforcement and governments and, I don't know, what you would call conspiracies about child trafficking uh, with the ultra-wealthy. How's that for a summary? There's a lot going on in this movie. And um, it ran about two hours. And, uh, Dan, yeah. I know what I thought of it. What was what is what was your main takeaway? It's, uh, it's, it's a good movie, but it, I mean, it's nothing standout. It's, I, I figured, like, some of the themes are sort of like Sicario. You know, okay. and it, 
it kind of in what way the, on like with the the, the trafficking and and illegal like, immigration if you want to call it that or um stuff that's you know happening at the border between the u.s and mexico so there's mm-hmm. some but like you know very i'm making a pretty loose connection here because i'm trying to get away from the comparison with literally every other liam neeson movie that he's done probably in the last five to six years um or last 10 years if you will sure yeah just about you know i i i wasn't I'm not someone who's seen a lot of Liam Neeson movies. Um, and I got to say, like, his his performance carried the entire movie. Um, and, yeah, he's a fantastic actor. He's really good at what he does. And in addition to the action, like, we really do see somebody who doesn't know if he can trust himself with his own mind. And that's that's compelling on its own. I just didn't see enough evidence of that affecting the plot through the whole thing. And there were times when I was like, why is, why am I even watching memory? This just until the very end. Um, That's kind of the thing I think they had a concept, but it ended up, it's sort of the concept didn't bleed too far into the plot of the film. It's yeah. like literally the poster of the movie. Uh, let me put it up again. There's a lot, there's a tagline on the poster. I don't know if you can read it. It's kind of tiny here, but it says his mind is, what is it? His mind is fading. His conscience, his conscious, uh, conscience is clear. Conscience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which actually, it's on the graphic that we have up here. So that right there is probably the premise of the. It's the premise of the movie that this guy's doesn't have the best of mem, you know, memory, and people can take advantage of that, and his adversaries can use that against him. But it sort of devolves into, you know. Um, more like I said, like like Taken, or what was the new recent one that he had? Like what's it called Blacklight, or Taken Two. Well, you know they were like every Taken movie is virtually the same thing, but yeah. he's done like five six other. Like, huh? I said the trailer did look a lot like Taken. It was giving yeah. that vibe. I mean, you gotta appreciate the one thing that look people at this point have come to expect a certain brand of movie from him and. As producers like, I mean, they're making these because they 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 probably are not like losing a ton of money, right? I mean, they don't spend a ton of yeah. money making them. They do well enough, if not in the theaters, then also then you know in in theatric in rentals and in Blu-ray, DVD, like the aftermarket home distribution stuff. They make enough of their money back for these to be profitable enough and to to continuously make more. So of uh, you know, there's the rationale is probably just that, like, hey. We we know our audience. It's kind of like what Bruce Willis did for a while. Well, okay, so I'm not gonna walk into that trap again. Um, okay. But I'm trying to come up with another comparison where, well, you could say maybe Brad Pitt. Tom even. Like Brad Pitt for a long time tried to like diversify and do different kinds of roles, but mm. people just like like the the cool and calm and collected Brad Pitt who's just going through life being Brad Pitt. Brad By Pitt. the way, have you been yeah. seeing the trailers for his new movie coming out? I think it's called oh, the bullet train. The bullet bullet train? train? That yeah. actually looks yes. really good. It's you know what? Yeah. Like I've I've had to sit through that trailer like four or five times in the last month, and every time I see it, I go, <laughs> "Yeah, maybe I'll enjoy that. Maybe I'll watch." And I like it a little bit more every single time. At first, I thought it was a Street Fighter like adaptation because everything's so stylized. It's yeah. based on a book. Is yep. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I don't like know a anything about novel. it, but yeah. that looks pretty good. Um, but back to memory, just, I, my, my issue with it 
because Liam Neeson is such a powerful performer um, and really knew what he was doing, I did not find that all of the other actors in this movie carried their own weight. I thought a lot of the performances left a lot to be desired. They took me out of it constantly. Um, and back to what I was saying before, it was like some of these scenes really just felt like acting scenes. You know, they, the monologues didn't feel credible. Um, the lines felt kind of stilted and rehearsed. I didn't, I didn't buy anything except for the scenes with Liam Neeson. Um, didn't this that movie was... have like Lee, uh, Guy Pierce and uh, Monica Bellucci in it? Yep. Is that the two main supporting roles? Yeah, wasn't impressed. It's. I you mean, hey, Martin Campbell, he directed Casino Royale. Uh, mm -hmm. He's also done like some bad and Green Lantern. And Green Lantern. <laughs> that too. I know the I whole time Dan was pitching this movie, not once did he say anything about Green Lantern. And then. Why? I, I did not know he directed Green Lantern. That's why I I just that's like a blind spot because I haven't really I don't even know if I've ever seen that movie all the way through like even once. I've I feel like I've seen the whole thing in parts somewhere or another because it's like one of those movies that every once in a while it comes up on TV and you just kind of watch it from wherever it's playing and then I've seen big chunks of it, but I've never yeah. seen it all put together. But I do remember having a not a good impression of it. I had no idea Martin Campbell directed it until last week. Roland brought it up. I'm like pitching Martin Campbell as the guy who did. Well, obviously in the marketing, they were like from the director who brought you Casino Royale. And, and not Green ne Lantern. And Green Lantern. They never mentioned Green Lantern, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I felt for the marketing. So. It, well, that's what it's there. That's what it's there to do for, the, yeah. for you to be a sapper, a sucker and a sap. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what I was going to say there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking around the theater um, because some of the scenes really, they didn't have to be as long as they were. Everybody, and it wasn't like a packed theater or anything, but every time I looked around, somebody else was on their phone, just like, you know, looking at the news or... You could probably listen know. to this movie and know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one ridiculous scene is he's got a bullet wound and, you know... He, he's a questionable character, so like he, he's pouring alcohol on it to, you know, sterilize it, and then he, he flat out takes some fire and cauterizes the bullet wound, and he just <laughs> sears through the pain. It was, it was not easy to watch that. But... Basically, like John Wick would do it. Probably. Is that okay? It was the first I... time I'd ever seen it on screen. Well, not so, in that way, but I'm, you know, we have seen variations of that done in those kind of movies. Like, yeah, there's three John Wick movies. I'm pretty sure in at least two of them, he's had to carterize wound, and he's usually drinking alcohol or something to dumb, to yeah. numb the pain. And no, they, he they might even pour it on he the wound. Takes a swig. Yeah. That's yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's what you do. Um, so bottom line, I don't think you're missing anything if you don't see this, um, and if you do, you know, Liam Neeson does a good job. So enjoy that. Yeah. Roland, did you have any thoughts? Uh, no. And I think that's what I took away from the movie as well. Um, nothing. Not, nothing. A, not a single. Not a single thing. Not a single thing. A single... We covered it. Yeah. It's because just... we're a thorough team. That's right. Yes. Well, when it's like a very formulaic 
formulaic movie, it's it's just hard to take anything away. I don't know. There's just so many things that I saw from the trailer that I there there was just nothing appealing to me. There was there was just so many things that I could to point out where they could they you know picked and choose what they wanted to make a a decent movie, but it just it was I don't know. I mean, like, what do you guys think of the ending? Well, we're getting the spoilers. Well, we're gonna spo- we're gonna spoil it. We so, already have a warning banner, so I guess we might as well. Here's yeah. here's the issue with the ending. In the end, Liam Neeson, there's a whole cop showdown. He's running out of a hospital, and he's you know, he's there's hundreds of of officers with guns pointed at him, and he's like manages to make it into the backseat of this car with the FBI guy who he's gonna he's going to uh, collaborate with, and. Again, we can't tell if at any point the memory's fading or not, because through all of this, he's still an incredibly competent hitman. Um, they do sort of the memento thing where he's writing notes on his arm with yeah. a marker, but that even that didn't last for the whole movie. And it's, so finally, he yeah. he gets into the car, and then he says something, and he sounds like he's out of his mind. And like, and he looks like he's forgotten where he is, and then he steps out of the car, and they just show the other FBI guy just there, and you hear all the gunshots, and he dies, you know. And it's like, did he forget that he was in the middle of a, of a cop showdown? And for that moment, I was like, that would have been a great way to end the movie, um, because that's that's the struggle and that's the fear of Alzheimer's is like you wouldn't know your current situation. You could get lost. Um, and I felt that was a very human thing and a very human way to end it. What happens after that is the last thing he said was a cryptic code for the detectives to like realize, oh, he knew exactly what he was talking about. He just wasn't implicated. And so, you know, then it's, it's not that he didn't know where he was and the tragedy of, you know, losing your mental faculties. It was, oh, he still got it, and he died, and he went out on top, and it's like, ah, oh, okay. It's like the subtlety of something like that can change it from, you know, like a Western sort of an outlook on a movie, like, you know, a Western film that's, yeah. that's got a sort of like a tragedy to it and turns it into, a, you know, like this was in theaters, but like a feels a like... A blockbuster action a, movie, yeah. Well, not even. I, I was gonna say like it feels like a straight to DVD movie, sort of a like it oh, takes it from yikes. like almost. Well, this is definitely a better one of the better efforts from Liam Neeson in a while. But but yeah, the subtlety of something like that with the plot, like for example, even like you mentioned, the whole idea of he's writing stuff on his hands in Memento, like it's it's not like a gimmick. They they because they could have done it a few times and it would become a gimmick. But mm-hmm. it was woven into the story, like, very deeply, like, woven into the story. And it was said central to the character. And it wasn't just brought yeah. up a couple of times and then just forget about it. Whereas in this movie, it's it sort of feels that way because that's kind of what they do. And those kind of, like, small creative choices, I think it's... I'll make the probably not fair comparison, but, like, the difference between what ha- what the Wolverine and Logan. Because Logan was a masterpiece and the Wolverine was, like so close but then you know and that's kind of the thing with these kind of movies you just wish that some of these directors producers whoever's in charge of the story um telling part of the 
they they do a better job there. It's because sometimes it's those minor things. Granted, they could have they would have probably marketed the same way, would probably get the same level of attention. But you know, everything everywhere all at once is done better and better each successive weekend has been out. Is that after right? After not getting off to a good start, and That's this is the hear. kind of movie where it had those slight differences. It might have started out poorly, but then picked up because of good word of mouth. Whereas what it is now, it's it, it, I don't think it deserves that. So yeah. Well, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums it up. Shall we move on? Yeah. Well, but before we do move on, we you know if you're watch if you watch memory and you're watching the show let us know what you thought about the film um do you how much of the movie do you remember because it's one of those things where i i felt like you could walk into theater follow it walk out and forget largely what happens and just remember you know like broad stroke stuff because it's sort of a in many respects a forgettable film but let us know if you thought the same i guess you know <laughs> Be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast wherever you find it, wherever you happen to be. Hang out with us. Comment. Maybe you'll be the comment of the week next week, Mom. Um, yes. So, yeah, let's move on. Let's talk uh, Moon Knight, Episode 5. We've been keeping track of everything going on with this. We've been pretty much pumping out a, a review as soon as they drop. And this was one of these hidden episodes that nobody's seen yet until this week. This was the one where they say, oh, it gets really good in episode five and six. Um, you know, I, I liked a lot of the devices they used in this, but um, I don't know. My enthusiasm has waned since episode four. Roland, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was, I thought it was uh, heart wrenching. I don't know about you guys. I don't know heart how connected this... you guys are, but um, yeah, it was it was good. I liked it a lot. It was compelling. I was so excited to learn more about Mark's past and oh yeah, by the way, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah, you can't just talk go about into you know more of who he was and where Steven comes from and yeah. Steven going. And well, so that was, that was my, my observation there is like, you know, maybe the reason and everybody I talked to about this is like that British accent is not good. And I go, well, hold, hold. it's, you know, it's about the character. I'm trying to cut him some slack. Yeah. But then we find out that Steven is the invention of a seven-year-old boy trying to cope with his his home life yeah. um and so that's where that accent comes from and so now i have to wonder like is it a bad accent or is it really good acting you know well, that this this accent is something that he came up with as a kid and just continued doing i i i would say the um the latter right it's i mean oscar isaac isn't british so just from yeah. a, if you look at the actor, I also himself, don't think he's Jewish, but he is in this. Right. Well, that I was that I'm not aware of either. I, I wasn't that I just didn't want to assume anything. But it's just I. What impressed me about this episode, I'm pretty sure I I, I like in our group chat that we have throughout the week, I posted my feelings in emoji form for the most part after this mm -hmm. episode, and I was. 
feeling all kinds of different ways because if there's a lot that happens and much like what Roland said I it's not I mean when I say I had mixed feelings I don't mean that like usually that's like considered a derogatory way to describe something and it's not because like I didn't like the episode I had mixed feelings in the sense that what's impressed me about this show the most especially when you because I'm talking about by Disney plus standards this Mm -hmm. show has moved at an absolutely torrid pace and every episode has felt fulfilling in its own way because a lot of Disney plus shows like when I say Disney plus shows I mean like you know the Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows what they call their premium shows um, they have this tendency to drag stuff out from episode to yeah. episode and you just really feel like things are going way too slow like why can't we move quicker yeah. why is there not more plot why isn't there more character development and sometimes yeah. when you do get that it feels hollow like the character development part and then this this show has it just the last episode teased something this episode gave us everything we needed to know from that last yeah. episode tease and then where you leave things off it's sort of it's in a fresh place where the next episode, if you just watch the next episode, you could watch that episode out of order and you wouldn't feel like you missed much other than, and they, they always review what's happened sure. up to that point. And then you could just go back and watch the rest of the show. Whereas some other shows that I'm comparing it to, you watch that episode and it's like, wait, what? It doesn't make any sense because each of these episodes has a very distinct three or five act structure where you have a beginning, middle and an end. And, whether it's the the stuff that's happening on the boat in that plane of existence or um, whether it's the character stuff. I just thought, I mean, you know, cinematography wise, obviously you have two characters. So there's a lot of technical, you know, uh, challenging uh, photography that happens throughout this episode. But then just kind of watching the whole episode felt to me like one long trippy um, dream sequence going on. And they did some really good work with that. Um, especially when they are spiraling up the same staircase in his childhood yeah. home, and every time he moves up that, I'm like, he how many floors are in this a house? Few years. Well, yeah, but like <laughs> Sorry, it, yeah. it became this this time staircase, and it's yeah. like every time you go up, it's a different phase of his life. That's that's good movie magic, I would say, is like where you can you can turn space into time, and you can you know use it as a storytelling technique. I don't know if going up the stairs has ever been a storytelling technique used like that, but I was impressed. It was like it was yeah. like an MC Escher etching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean the episode let's just say this was it for me the episode picked up exactly where the last one left off and it kept that level of intrigue for me throughout and emotionally this this episode I think got deeper, more grounded and more, it it covered new ground that the mcu i don't think has ever covered from a character development perspective so yeah i don't know why more mcu properties don't do this but this this is this is new for for that franchise and which is weird considering how deep and how many years and movies and tv shows deep into their franchise they are and for the first time you have seen something this real i felt like you know like you i can relate to that character more than most other characters in in the MCU. Yeah. Is there well to Steven or Mark? Well, to Mark, because Mark the person. Um <laughs> let's if you got yeah, let's you know what, let's do this. Uh we'll put a put a period on episode five. Let us know what you guys thought of episode five. And uh let's move on to uh talking about Steven. 
because I feel like that deserves Stephen. There's I have a lot of questions. I also have um, some thoughts about Stephen. So, Grant. Shall we talk Stephen. in bad British accents for for the rest of this segment? I, I, we could definitely could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stephen. So episode six, the the mm -hmm. final episode of the show, the finale is coming up, and. Unfortunately, the one character that will not be joining, at least uh, right as of right now, what we know, the one character that will not be joining us is uh, Stephen with a V, Stephen Grant, um, who, as we now know, was like an alter ego of of Mark Spector, not the other way around. Um, what are you guys? What What are you guys expecting from from the finale for the show? I I don't think that he's gonna disappear. I don't know what gives you that idea. You know, like, first of all, like he was he was the first person that we the first identity that we met um, in the show. And like we we bought it and he's such a part of Mark. Um, and, you know, there's even been teased other other personalities that might exist. So I, I feel like if he doesn't come back next episode, he'll maybe come back in another season. Um, we may meet other alter egos, or it could really, you know, it could go the way where everything disappears and he's fine, but we miss the uh, the chaos and the intrigue of having other personalities. Those are I could see it going that way. I don't know. It's tricky with DID, and I and I definitely need to research more about it. But I I think this isn't last we're going to see Steven. We'll probably see memories or something along those lines, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mark in his mind comes up with a way to bring Stephen back, you know, to bring that yeah. personality back and, you know, we'll keep it in the, the roster. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, there's, there's a distinction between like how Mark and Stephen trade off and then how Conchu also works in there. And you know, is that all the same thing? Is even that in his head, you know? And the I fact mean, that he's interacting with other people makes you think probably not. Um, and so they're, they are blurring the lines between the disorder and the mythology. You know, what really, what really like, <laughs> what really hit me was the transition you see when, when he's standing outside at the funeral for his mom, like, and he refuses to come in and his dad is yeah. like kind of waving him over and um that and then he mentioned like it's it's been two months since like their two lives started to blend together but that's where you see him like from just this grieving moment to, like transition over in a moment like again continuous shot no cuts nothing into steven and he it just all of a sudden starts talking on this phone and you start to see oh there's no phone call happening here it's yeah I mean, from an acting standpoint, for Oscar Isaac to be able to flip the switch that fast and then just kind of roll, that you know, it's the, the great acting. That, that's all I can say. That was that was impressive, and and then you see like in that one shot, you get five different questions that the show has set up answered. Like you get the yeah. question answer about like the mom. You get like when did this when did the current situation actually begin? Which it seems like that's the root of it. Um, obviously, going back to the what you know, the start of how Stephen Grant, the character happened, we know by that time. But then we find out where the show begins in episode one is sort of, you know, from that point in on the on the street. 
um it's yeah there's there's a lot that happened in the sh in episode five that excites me for what's to come next i mean one more episode you know the one the one difference between this show that and again i'll i've compared this to other D uh disney shows before there's disney plus shows a lot of disney plus mcu shows you feel like oh my god they've barely done anything in the first five episodes this episode six has got so much ground to cover and in this one you feel like episode six comes more naturally because there's already well, we'll so much see. that's I mean, been happening. They, they could blow us away. Yeah. Um, I do feel, I mean, my, my question was going to be, do you think yeah. there's a second season in this? Um, but with, with MCU, it's like all they have to do is establish him. And if he pops up anywhere, it's just like, oh, yeah. And everything serves as a sequel to something else or the follow-up, whatever. So yeah. do you see another series or do you see him just being another ancillary superhero that shows up from time to time. Roland? I know, it's crazy how, like, these comic book movies are now turning themselves into live-action comics where they can just have, like, these special cameos and it's yeah. just like, hey, check it out. Yeah, Moon Knight is in this issue. Just, I mean, he's in there for a second. But it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I, I would love for there to be a season two. I doubt it. They keep saying it's a limited series. Mm. But this character is very interesting and i and i like him he's you know very underground character in itself but i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if they they use his popularity and use him for like a different spin-off show maybe he's in uh I, what is it the midnight suns that's the thing that's what they could yeah. do and that might be what they do with this last episode is you know introduce other heroes that he teams up with yeah um, i'm still waiting for the blade cameo i, I mentioned that during the first episode right and yeah. that's kind of what i meant like i'm like there's so much that has already happened and but there still feels like there's so much more that is to happen out the potential for there to be happened i mean they haven't promised anything but i'm excited because oscar isaac from what we know he signed a one year one one prod season contract so like he's only signed on for this six episode run of the show it's also yeah. a limited series because that's how disney submitted it to the emmys and in order to be a limited series you can't have more than one season that's just like the, the rules of it um i suppose there's it's not impossible for them to go back and do a second season but what's more likely to happen in my opinion is you're likely to see him show up in other projects maybe the transition him into the movies but then again like you look at the way the show has been going so far for all i know by the end of episode six the finale that question will be answered because you'll be like well there is no reason for there to be a follow-up project because and i'll leave it there um but but blade i mean the black knight is it, it's called it's Black Knight, right? Is that the that's the character from the End of Eternals? Kid Harrington. Uh, Kid Harrington. Yeah. yeah. Is it Black? Is it called Black Knight? It's Black. Knight. I don't know. I I don't even know anymore. Let me uh, do a quick Google. It's not the Dark. Knight. We now go live to correspondent Google. Yes. Yes, Google, it is. What do you have for us? <laughs> Google confirms. It is Black Knight. So well, sad. thank you. Thank you, Google um yeah it's i can't wait to see where this show goes i it's it's this show is i after episode one i said this is easily by far the best show that marvel has put out on disney plus and that was episode one and i feel like every episode since has only confirmed that did you watch you know. the netflix um daredevil and was it black widow well it was daredevil and then they had uh 
one of the most Jessica Jones. Electra. Jessica Jones. Oh. Jessica yeah. Jones is the one I was thinking. Yeah, was Luke Cage. I was like, <laughs> yeah, Iron Jessica Fist. Jones, Luke Cage. He, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. I actually never got into those shows, but I know that now they're on Disney Plus too. You can kind of watch them. There's yeah. like a parental uh, control thing attached to it. So if you set up a kid's account, they won't be able to see it because it's their rated R stuff. But it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. And I think they there was a report out recently that they might be doing a a new Daredevil show for Disney Plus. I don't know how it, if it at all ties into what they did on Netflix because I think Kevin Feige always considered that separate. But yeah, Moon Knight well, did, is one of those characters. Bring, didn't they bring a... Daredevil in? Um, yeah. Didn't they bring Daredevil in to the MCU in the last Spider-Man? Yep. They did. But there's all so... kinds of controversy or speculation, mm-hmm. let's say, about whether that version of the Daredevil is exactly the same as the one from Netflix. Uh, oh, are we going to or... go back to, what was it Ben Affleck? No, no, no. They they have the same actor. What's it? What's his yeah, name? I know. Charlie... Tra- but, Charlie, but, Cox. Uh, Charlie Cox. Yeah. The original Daredevil movie from like 2004, I want to say. Yeah. He might, I mean, there's speculation that Ben Affleck's Daredevil from that movie might cameo in the Doctor Strange um, movie right. that's coming out. Um, yeah. yeah. They could do it if they, they wanted to. I suppose. I'm not sure. Um, Interesting. Yeah, they're yeah. really they're really opening up a Pandora's box here. Um, well, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. In the meantime, Roland, did you did you prepare something underground for us today? I did. I did. I've uh, been anxious. <laughs> Have you? And I've been thinking about my past movies and all my mistakes. So I. I made a little video so people can learn from my mistakes and, and be better. And we hope you do. Let's see it. Hi, welcome to Roll Underground, where we talk about what's happening in the world above while in my grandparents' basement. I'm your host, riddled with anxiety. Uh, so we're doing a, yet another video of me you know, doing some helpful tips because who doesn't like hearing advice from a young person? So I brought out the old director chair and I wanted to talk about my past mistakes and how I'm grateful for them. Don't get me wrong, I'm still anxious and I've had nights where I just think about them, but I'm still grateful for them and I wanted to help any of the aspiring filmmakers out there, you know, one indie boy to the next indie person. And... Yeah. So here are my credits. And then here are the films that we're going to be talking about that I made. The basics. You really need to learn the basics. You think it would be basic knowledge, but it's not. For example, I didn't know how to work my camera until I went into college. Why? Because I'm an idiot. That's the truth. I, I, I really didn't know. There's so many shots in my like first couple of movies that are just blurry and they're out of focus. And the lighting is terrible. The lighting is garbage. I don't know why I did that to myself, but I did. Be essential, especially if you're like working indoors. I mean... It doesn't have to be expensive. It, you know, you can get like a lighting kit for like 150 bucks. Like I got, that's how much mine was. And it's like a three setup thing. But also I think something you should do before you buy any equipment is audio. Because audio is such 
an important thing. Like you have no idea. Music alone is going to elevate your scene more than your camera could ever. It's just the truth. Uh, I recommend getting maybe like a Tascam and a boom pole or a boom mic, you know, just do some investigative research yourself and what best fits your needs. A screenwriting tip actually is give more character to your women characters. I'm guilty of this, you know, trust me. I know the whole like, oh, they're actually symbols. Well, technically all the characters are just, sim just give them a little more personality. Yeah, sure. Just a little something. Be like, hey, I don't like peanut butter. You know, just something. Well, isn't that nice? A little bit. You can't just have them be the object of desire for your main sad indie character, okay? I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Just, you know, representation, dude. Again, you know, I, I'm guilty of this. Personally, I should have put more <laughs> character into, like, the waitress in Atlas Complex. And they weren't supposed to be both uh, women servers. They just ended up being that way. And all the characters were, were symbols. So that's why I'm saying I know how you're feeling. But I, sh I should have done it. <laughs> when I was working on The County of the Ugly Dead, Linda's character was supposed to be a little more involved, but it was already like a 25 minute movie and I had to cut some of the stuff. So I was like, yeah, I guess we don't really need this. You do, you really need to just, just, just like a little line, just something, you know? Keep it simple with your dialogue. Uh, this is an actual screenwriting advice. Um, Whenever you're writing dialogue for your characters, try not to do like more than four or five lines. Five is pushing it. It really is. I mean, if you really want them to have this long speech, I mean, cut it up a little bit, put some action in there because it's going to start to look like a really white page. And that sounds weird. So let me elaborate a little bit. So when you're writing scripts, um, the screenwriting format is Dialogue is like very centered, you know, like the margins are in and, you know, the names are even more. And there's a lot of white negative space on the sides. If there's a lot of dialogue, it's a very dialogue heavy scene or page or whatever. Uh, it's called, it's a very, it's very white because of that white space. And when there's a lot of action, you know, that fills up all of the lines. And that means it's like too black. Sometimes it's good not to have dialogue. The only redeeming quality I have for Fear and Loathing of Pale Horse is that I didn't speak a lot. There's not a lot of speaking in there. I think for like the first five minutes, except for the first scene, it's very quiet. That's definitely not the right time. You know what I mean. It's very quiet and you just let the action speak for itself. It might've been too black, but it's always better to be black than white. Ooh. Let's move on. Stop doing diners. Oh my gosh. I know we all want to write our scripts in diners, but we got to stop. Okay. Now, again, I'm guilty of this. That I, there's a reason diners are so popular is because it's in a public place. So there's a chance you might meet somebody new or you might run into somebody you know, and also eating. A lot of people have conversations while they're eating. So of course they want to interpret that in their script and it's just a perfect time to where they just they're just sitting down and they're talking is that a diner but let's not you know you can always change that maybe you can put them in somebody's apartment or at a park or somewhere like if it's essential that they need to be eating or if they have to be you know in a public place or maybe even like waiting waiting was really why i put 
the Alice complex, you know, in a diner. So are you uh, still waiting on your friend? Yeah. And then the public place thing, if I'm being honest, I probably could have done like the park or something for the problem with remembering. I really want to include a place that was close and being like, just hinting to the main character, like something's off. Pre-plan. For the love of everything, pre-plan. It helps you so much more than you will ever know. And if you think you're not doing enough pre-planning, guess what? You're right. And you can do more pre-planning. I'm talking about shot lists, storyboards if you could do them. You know, having pictures of the location. Table reads. Table reads is an amazing thing to do. Just have like a new voice, you know, read out these words because you think it sounds okay in your head, but then once it's actually said out loud, it sounds ridiculous. A lot of times I'll write a scene and then I'll say it out loud and be like, wow, this doesn't sound natural. And then I'll rewrite it. Or you can maybe just do it with a friend, you know, just have the words say out loud. And then I think a table read would definitely help because then you hear how the characters are talking and the actors getting more into the character and they can point things out to you that you never think of. Or you can explain things to your actors so you don't really have to worry about it on the day because they're practicing these lines over and over again with these emotions tacked to it. With the problem with remembering, I did a lot of pre-planning. I did storyboards, I did shot lists. Um, I tried to, you know, have the dialogue read out loud. I did all this stuff. And I was still not prepared. I really wasn't. So just pre-plan. This is something I'm very guilty of. And I am probably shouldn't be proud of it, but I am. But don't push yourself too much. For someone who has written directed, starred, edited, produced, you know, literally all the jobs for a movie and also having a cast attached to it and trying to be a good host, it just gets so stressful and it gets so bad. And it's... Yeah, that's not healthy. It's not good. You know, you're not being 100% when you're doing that. Okay, you're not doing the best directing you can, you know, and helping the other actors. You're not being the best performance you can get. You know, just pace yourself a little bit. When I was working on the Atlas Complex, I was working, you know, 50 or so hours a week and I really only had one day off, which was Sunday, where I was allowed to work <laughs> in the dining room, where it's very obvious it's a Chick-fil-A dining room. I don't know why I couldn't have done like a little better job. Oh wait, that's right. Because I was the only crew member. There was no other crew members. I think I had a friend or two try to like help but they were acting in it, so they were focusing on the acting part of it. We would film until I couldn't stand up. That's how bad it was. My face would be green and I couldn't do it. I was not acting in it. Previously, when I did County of the Ugly Dead, I was doing everything. I was the main star and doing all this. And that was a long movie. That was a long time it took, and it was ridiculous. I don't know why I did that to myself. You just have to put trust in the people around you. If, if you have people around you, luckily, that are trying to help, then use them for the love of everything. Use them, be nice, you know, do this or that for them. And if they don't know how to do something, then teach them yourself. Just don't stress yourself out like I did because it was, I, I'm going bald, okay? That's all I gotta. I have more advice. If you guys want it, please let me know. I'd love to help however I can. You learn anything or? No clue. But I will say it was nice going back at my old videos and watching them again, even though I'm early in my career. Like they're laughably bad, but I just learned so much. And that's what you just gotta remember. You know, with every failure, it's a lesson. What is it? That Thomas Edison jerkwad. He was like, oh, you know, 
I didn't learn how to make just a light bulb. I also learned how not to make it 99 times. He was the worst. Edison? Ah, my gosh. Look into that guy. It's crazy. He's done so many bad things. I'm. He's like possibly responsible for like a couple murders and like disappearances. Look into like the first film ever made. I always try to kind of include something like that. So Tinder, dating apps, Bumble, other ones. I mean, what's what's their say about them? Well, uh, you know, we we wanted to um, wanted to come up with another segment for today, and uh, this one, believe it or not, has been on my mind. Um, I'm, I've, I yeah. <laughs> let's get let's get real honest here. I'm on dating apps, and I'm not enjoying them, mm -hmm. um, and not because not because I I can't match or because I can't. Um, date it's um i don't like how the things are set up i don't i don't i understand that like they're a product and i am somebody who is a user and they're these are businesses that are somehow making money off of people trying to find real connections in this world um and that's if people really are looking for real connections um so we've we've had dating apps for close to a decade now how has it changed the world how has it changed dating and what what works and what doesn't i wanted to open up a discussion about it because this is a this is a real concern for people who are trying to meet other people in a post post pandemic world it's um it's an interesting time to be alive and looking for love um so i mean where would you like to kick this off dan are you keen to talk about business roland do you want to talk about the history do you want me to talk about the schemas what's interesting to you and if you're watching you know what's going on with you what's worked for you what sucks about it for you let's keep this dialogue open and figure out how we can solve this for everybody yeah um i can I'm I'm just going to give like a high level of like the business side of it. Obviously, sure. I think it's there's a lot of parallels to be drawn with what's happening in the world of streaming, because ultimately these these apps and these sites, they're they're all subscription based. Right. So they have they have these the need to report numbers and 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 metrics and goals that they need to reach. So they've got things like you have a base subscription price you pay that mm -hmm. monthly and then you have add-ons and then you have like these things you can buy whether it's on the site or on the app or usually it's a combination of if you either go to the website or download the app there's add-on stuff it's kind of like you know how even gaming is where, where gaming is going so the point i'm trying to make here is it, it with, with, with dating sites and dating apps i think the goal originally was let's let's create an opportunity for connection and authentic relationships and and bring people together in a in through the internet which mm -hmm. you know from the, the the day of web 1.0 with back in the 90s and chat rooms all the way to you know this the, the age of facebook and twitter to now where we are today i think right. that's always been part of the conversation well, but now it's been out, monetized we yeah. started out with websites and online dating was a little bit stigmatized but it was for people yeah. who said 
real life dating it's hard for me to show all of these facets of myself um to people in a social situation where i feel awkward and i can connect better with people on the internet you could there was uh, plenty of fish okay cupid eHarmony, e and match um and this was your final um <laughs> attempt at meeting somebody outside of your social circle and this was prior to having a Facebook account and prior to having an Instagram account and all of these different representations of who you are and a persona you construct for yourself online. And we millennials certainly have put so much time and effort into constructing, you know, a character that is our social media presence and when Tinder started, it was based on Grindr. That's why the names are so similar. It really was more about hooking up. It was a hookup app. It knew it was a hookup app. But for people who were just putting their foot in the water, you, you really could have a genuine connection with somebody. I did in the early days of Tinder. Like, I had a good relationship come out of it. But what I find is that once they've been around for a long time, everybody sort of learns how they work. They go, oh, don't do that because that means this or do this because then you get and you're gamifying it. And everybody sort of learned how to perform, how to take a certain picture. What's your experience with it, Roland? I mean, I can't I want to argue with what you're saying, but please do. No, well, the thing is, you're right. It's a very fast dance freaking out through editing. Um, you know, a lot of these dating apps are very fast. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of people put everything that they can in their bio and like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. And for competitive people, it does become a game. You know, they're like, oh, you know, I can't relate with this. No, you know, um, oh, this is cool. Yes. You know, and it's 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 a pick and choose and it it very quickly become a very shallow and yeah. gross thing you know and yeah and you get to a point where you start it gives you a false sense of superiority where it's like nope nope yeah. nope you don't stay and then when you finally like yeah and then it's i'm trying to start a conversation and on the other end it's i've heard that one before or can't you come up with anything better and it's why do we know how all of this is supposed to work? Oh, and on the flip that. side, on yeah. the flip side, it's it's almost become the norm where if you do go out to a bar, if you do just strike up a conversation with somebody on the street, it's like, what's wrong with you? What are you? Yeah, are you trying to talk to me? That doesn't. You don't do that, and yeah. it's so strange because we don't know. Like I don't know about people walking down the street, um, your height, your age, your religion, your political beliefs, you know, your favorite movie quote. That's not how you meet a person. Yeah, you happen to be in the same place. And just by that alone, you know, you probably live around the same area. And you can maybe glean some other details about their lives and wonder, what else do we have in common? Mm -hmm. When you can look at pictures or you can look at like a list of my hobbies and interests and by the way don't even bother if you're blank 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 you know more of this 
functions to push people away and say, you're probably not right for me. And beyond that, you can say that, but at the same time, you can find a lot of people who have those similar interests. You know, if you put on your bio, like, Oh, Hey, I like this show. Yeah. It's, it's such a good starter because it's like, Oh my gosh, all my friends don't know any of this show. This is okay. great. And however, it's very... however, <laughs> okay. however, however, I cannot tell you how many profiles I've swoped through where swope, swope it's I'm making it happen. So I like it. Past Swiped. tense of swipe. Um, yeah. How many I've swoped through that mention pineapple pizza, Disney, the Marvel MCU, and The Office? I was going to say Office. That was every one. single one. It's like, do is it a joke? Are they all planning this? Also in LA, they're all actresses. They're all you know, or models, or singers, or some, and they all have professional photographers, and they all take a shot in front of the pink wall with the wings on it. I mean, it's it's incredible how hard it is to just show your authentic self. And mm-hmm. so what I did, because I realized like I want I'm look I want to find something genuine. I have to show that I'm genuine. So I'm currently on Hinge, if you're looking. And um, there's a <laughs> <laughs> that's what this was. This whole thing was a ruse. But it's I what what I notice is that like. You know, I, I don't want to show great pictures of myself because I'm not just a great picture. I yeah. took a walk and I started talking to the camera. I said, this is who I am. I take a lot of walks. This is what I do. This is my life. This is how I talk. You know that by the time you see me, this is what my voice will sound like. This is who I, I would love to see more video stuff. I'd love to see people really showing their personality because I do find we do so much posing. Yeah. Um, that it would be it would be better if if we could really show who we were and not just list out our interests. And you can get a better vibe, I think, from video. That's my that's my personal attempt at a solution. Do you yeah, have anything else that you had stuff? Yeah. Yeah. No. I. You mentioned before, Andrew. I think I don't know if this was on an episode of a show or we were just kind of talking about it off air at some point, but. You mentioned that one of the things that happens on on dating apps is after a while it just feels like everybody and and you kind of brought it up I don't know indirectly almost where you said people respond to you like hey I've heard that before or you seem like every other person I've talked to on the app or whatever right yeah and I think that effect is there's like the upside and the downside of using something like this like you said like you walk up to somebody in person. You may have the same conversation with five people in person in in person the same day, within the same few hours even. Mm-hmm. But you will remember those conversations differently because your brain is taking in all the stimulus around the conversation and you remember yeah. each of those differently. Whereas you do that on a dating app or a site, they're going to all seem like, you know, cognitively, the part of you knows you were talking to a different person each time. But then the part of you will sort of remember it as, oh, this is all... It's, it was all on insert name of dating site here. So it's yeah. almost like you're interacting with the dating site and not with the person on the other end. Yeah. And that's where I think some of the lack of connection comes from. And then sure. getting the biographical data, I think, okay, let, one more point before you like, you respond. Like you said, you don't, I, I tell you that if you meet somebody in person, like how long would it take you on average to ask them some of the information you find on oh, it's, people's profiles, yeah. right? It's insane. 
it's right? insane. And, so it's and that almost can all get me... in the way of a real connection. You know, you could have yeah. all of those things be diametrically opposed, but just really click. That's yeah. fine. It's okay to be completely different from somebody, and you actually find that you appreciate them more. That's and a good I point. think part of like part of like what again creates that that distance there is you will probably most people associate that kind of biographic information to like know that up front with like you're reading um like the arrest report from somebody who who's about to be incarcerated yeah. and that's like the you know or like you're i one thing comes to mind is like the police radio or like it comes to my every time i fill out like a job application totally. you know like when it comes to those questions um, and it's optional, but I always fill about like, are you male, female? Are you what? What mm -hmm. race are you? Are you Hispanic or Latino? Yes or no? Oh, another menu. So if you're not Hispanic or Latino, what are you? You're Asian or like? And then um, do you have a disability? And then I just remember, I just always start thinking to myself, oh, there's like a cop somewhere on the radio saying, all right, we've got an Asian male um, disabled, like or non-disabled, like running away. With, Five six, probably with, Democrat. With, yeah, with with the bread out of the store, and then I mean, you know. I was, it just, yeah. it feels to me like, you know, like, and that effect, I think, kind of is what sometimes people, you know, fault for on these apps because you're not, so yeah. I like your idea. I think video would be, would be a fit because if that's your first interaction, because images, you know, don't do it nearly enough justice, I think. And so you, we're all used like, to it. If, if only to break us from the pattern, you know? Sure. I mean, everything is a performance right now on on every other social media. And that's the other thing is every other yeah. app is a dating app if you message a person. And yeah. that's to say that this is for dating or this is the app, you know, designed to be deleted because everybody's looking for a real connection. You know, it's it's redundant and it, it does do a little bit of the legwork for you. But, you know, back to your point about images, images are so fake. And the filters on these things and the the lighting and the production that goes into, you know, producing an image of who your ideal self is. Of course I can't date that, you know? I was going to say, like, one of my big pros for dating apps was kind of like a, like a venting process. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, you look at these things. Oh, they have basic photos. I like, this is not good. Um, I always like was a big fan of candid photos. Yeah. Like if they're like a little bit ugly, I love those photos. I try to make them included, but I think you're right, Andrew. I there's with when you're talking through a computer screen, that's what you're doing. You're talking through a computer screen. There's no, there's no risk. There's no excitement. There's nothing necessarily new about it. You're just talking to a computer. So you're going through very data analysts of going through these people, but I will say something that I've noticed is there's this weird confidence people have with dating apps that they would never have in real life. Oh, that's for sure. Um, and sometimes it, it can be bad, but sometimes it can be cute. Like sometimes, like I've heard of stories of friends who uh, match on Tinder and depending on how, you know, one person reacts, they can, the other person can play it off as a joke or, they're like, oh, wow, I never knew you felt like this. Maybe we can try something and it, and it turns out yeah. well. My advice to you, if that's happened, if it starts as a joke, it can end seriously. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, test the water. Even, even you're wearing a hat as a joke, you can end up wearing the hat for real, you know? 
but yeah i like your hat um it wasn't about your hat that was about hats um (laughs) i will say um i'm not on the i'm not in the dating app world anymore i just celebrated my first year anniversary with my girlfriend happy shout out to you campbell um she's great but i one of the worst things i always hated was the first line like the the first thing you type out because you can be basic you'd be like hey or what's up or which never never the response but what i always did was i'm sorry andrew no no, what i always did was uh what's your favorite movie and can and do you like cheesy pickup lines and i would try to make like a cheesy pickup line off of a movie and there was one um (laughs) some girl said remember the titans do you remember this movie yeah well and there's this one scene this is this is not this is not good um there's this one scene where um one of the characters gets hit by a, a truck i think his name was jake or something like that and he went to the hospital he was paralyzed and something like that do you guys know what i'm talking about it's been a while but keep going <laughs> this is terrible and dan you can bleep this if you want <laughs> i like to keep dan on his toes but i said no, hey don't. Yeah. why don't we do role play oh, and i was joking uh i was like why don't we do role play um you can be jake and i can be the 18 wheeler because you're not going to be able to walk tomorrow that was ballsy it was wow all she said was oh <laughs> and it was my favorite thing it was I great i love that um okay. all right i that's fantastic that the just for the for the the Confident. You're getting way too yeah. serious. I needed to end it off with a horrible light. That's story. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Imperfect. If I'm going to wrap yeah. this, wrap this yeah. up, let me just say, if you show up to a date, make sure you look like your picture. And that's, that's pretty much where I'd like to end it. Let's move on to sports. Yeah. Talking about a lot of different things today. We got the NFL draft happened. I'm actually watching the NBA playoffs on the side and so we talked about that but yeah brian and i got a chance to hit some stories Um, let's take a look it's time for sports with dan and brian aj brown stole the headlines of the nfl draft this week away from the jets who were doing pretty well for once yeah but the real kicker is that one lucky couple got married at the draft dun 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 Brianna and Toby, now man and wife. Joel Embiid is set to miss at least two of the first games of the Sixers' second-round series against the Heat. This, of course, is after he took an elbow to the face by Pascal Siakam last week. Yeah, but do you think Doc Rivers has any regrets about leaving Embiid out there with like a 29-point lead and just four minutes left to go in the game? I'm about to answer. <laughs> For the first time since 2007, two punters were selected in the first four rounds of the NFL draft. Do you have a good footing on this story, Brian? No, not really, but all I know is they weren't the ones who took a wrong turn on their way up to the stage. So the hockey playoffs are here, Daniel. Who do you have skating their way to the Stanley Cup? Color me not interested. There goes Jeff Hansen into the corner. <laughs> what? 
That was a lot of fun. Okay, this is the open mic <laughs> where we can talk about whatever we want. Dan, I know you have so much want. fun editing those. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk whatever we like. Well, uh, what would you guys like to talk about? Do you have anything or should I just go straight into talking about t-shirts? I don't know, uh, that bidet conversation last week was fun. It was. Do we have any more meat on the bone there? Or, uh, for bidets? Uh, more like meat off the meat. Don't say and I don't know where I was going with that yeah. one. That was yeah. not right. There's um, definitely some imagery to the beginning yeah. of that sentence. It was cool. Uh, I tried it again. It was nice. If, you gotta if, get you don't you don't try it again. You try it once, and now you're a guy who uses bidets. <laughs> well, you know, I did it. And, You're a guy oh, who uses bidets now. You know what else I did? Horse okay. riding. You guys ride horses? Different, you ever tried that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I did that like yesterday. It's crazy. You're looking you at never... an animal. Yeah. And it's Had such you never a done weird it thing. I mean, well, no, no. Really? I, oh, I know wow. I live in the South, but no. Well, These no, are, like, I mean, seven feet tall, and you're looking at it, and it's like you are an alien creature. This is, this should yeah. not. And then you ride them. And then you give them a little, they have personalities. It's crazy. Horses are really neat. Um, I, yeah. We had summer camp out here and every summer camp in California has horses. And so mm. I've literally been riding horses, um, not regularly, but since I was like seven and you can go on horse trails out here. Like, yeah, it's a fun time. I yeah. haven't done that in a while. I, mean, I got to get back to the horses. It was cool. Like My horses. guy had like monkeys. Like we were like, we're going on this weird trail, like hiking trail and we're just walking and he, we're going down this very like steep hill and he just stops halfway through to eat a branch. And I was told yeah. like, Hey, don't let them yeah. eat anything. So you have to like, it's like read the room, you know? Totally. No. And it's like, you, you start to communicate with it. Um, and you, you are able to really, um, connect with a horse and like, you can signal it. Let's go faster. Let's hold yeah. back. Stop. Um, and even just like getting to a, a solid pace. Like there is there is something to communicating with animals that I think also carries over to communicating with people because we are mm. animals. Um, but like you can you can get a sense of what it's thinking. People should really spend time with animals so yeah. that they can understand the animal within the person. That's my thinking. Well, Dan, is that a uh, Rob Schneider? movie reference there no no but what a great movie <laughs> you know what's weird so i grew up sort of and when i i watched that movie a long time ago and uh it was it was one of those movies that i always had fun watching as a kid i probably like missed half the references in the movie and all the under you know the that's undertone probably, yeah i can but, probably get um, more out of it these days but it's a movie that it's sort of like left my brain for the longest time until you brought it up what was it last week or two weeks ago that was the first episode what, of moon Knight. yeah you i don't know how you made that comparison but that's just how it I made just, me feel it took me like a while to like 
oh, that movie. I'm like, okay, yeah. oh, I get it. Well, no, I still don't get it, but like, you don't. I I don't get the connection how you're making that connection, but every because I mean, he would wake up in different places and be like. Oh, I don't really remember that. And it was like, oh, and then he would go out at night and he'd do the other stuff. Um, and it was, yeah, yeah. It, it felt, it had the same kind of deliberate disjointedness. I I had so much fun with that. I, I actually have to find, because I don't own it in any way. Uh, like, so I have to figure out a way to like get my hands on, on, on that movie again. And yeah. I've not seen it in years, but I remember like having such a good time every time I watched that movie. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like, I, I love Rob Schneider stuff in general and like, you know, what him guy. and Adam Sandler get up to no good bench warmers is one of those guilty pleasure movies. I'll always check bench out. Warmers. I did watch that a lot as a kid. It's yeah. So much fun. It's and dodgeball. I mean, dodgeball. Not, was he in there? I, I don't know. That. Well, it's sort of, no, that was, adjacent. that was Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. And, um, yeah. That's ben coming Spawn. to Netflix this May or this that's month. A, that's a I think it's on movie. Disney plus right now. Um, dodgeball. Like a, dodgeball. Cause it's, well, it wasn't like a Fox movie, so now Disney owns it, and oh, I thought it was. Yes. Well, anyway, dodgeball. Yeah. How do we get to dodgeball? Um, I, <laughs> I never know. Uh, you know, one of the things we touched upon in um, in the quick hits, I want to kind of uh, get your opinion on this. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with like the quickets this week because uh, our favorite um, family was in the news again. So I think we, we should definitely talk about that. My brother never told you never yeah. threaten a man's family. A lot of uh, directors dropping out of uh, movies this week. Yes, that was the theme. Well, John Watts the with uh, the Fantastic Four reboot. Uh, yeah, well, Justin we, Lin we dropped really out of the Fast Fantastic. X. And that movie is in production. Like a week or so into production, he dropped out. Which I'm like... Why? Oh, I mean, did they, yeah. Did they, they say why? Not, not really. I guess his. I read the article where they talked about like what his statement was, and it was pretty much, like, not even like a real reason, as far as I can remember. It was just he just kind of dropped out. I, They're probably playing it nice for like you know the press, but probably just you know multiple voices coming in and thinking that their their voice is the right voice and. He was probably just tired of being undermined. Let's see. Oh, by the way, there's we got to talk Barbie. We got to talk Barbie. I'm Barbie. Barbie on the screen. We got to talk Barbie. Oh, I'm so upset. upset. We gotta, so we gotta, about we, the sorry. Can we can we talk about? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't I don't care about the Aqua news. <laughs> I know <laughs> Aqua news is the news. That that is the no, news. No, that Come that on. pictures the news. Um, today on the news. <laughs> that picture um no so we were we were kind of taking bets on like do you think the barbie girl song is gonna make an appearance i and well I, we were talking yeah we we're talking about predictions we we're doing this like we we genuinely had like this long uh conversation about it in the group chat and i made a big one that i was very confident about i was like i think doja cat is probably gonna do like a rendition of aqua's barbie girl i was like so, i feel like somebody would yeah and then i i think the next day something like that this news pops up yeah did it, what does it what does it actually say is there a Can't reason say. or there's just there's just one of those articles so, where the article is the headline 
Well, it's sort of. Um, all right, so here's this one person on Twitter who felt much the same way that we did, which is, if Barbie Girl by Aqua is not in the end credits of the Barbie movie, he wants his money back, and so would I. But uh, to that, um, Artavana um, said that if... Oh, wait, no, this is the same thing. Same request. All right, well, let's move on. So... Wait, so... <laughs> Is it because, like, thematically this Barbie movie's going to be different? Do we know anything else about the movie? Not not sure. Who's Isn't it Ryan Gosling who's playing, like, the... Ken. Ken? He's playing Ken? Yeah. Really? Yep. By the way, this okay. news, this piece of news doesn't come from the producers of the movie, and they reached out to, Variety reached out to Warner Brothers for comment, and they haven't heard anything from them. As far as I can tell, this article hasn't Maybe there's still a shot. anything. Huh? Maybe there's still a shot that's... Maybe it won't be Aqua. But maybe they're buying there may the be a rights. Cover. So yeah, yeah, so that Doja Cat can, in fact, uh, cover. By the way, just to answer your question from earlier, the pers- the manager or agent who manages Aqua lead singer Lene Nystrom is that her name or her- yeah? Um, he said so. That's where the story comes from, and he said the song will not be used in this in the movie. That's mm. so. It's from the agent of the singer of that song. But given how early they are in production on this movie, I don't doubt that there may be some change. You know, you just wait, 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 wait. So does that mean that version of the song is not going to be in it? Yeah, it says Aqua's Barbie Girl. So maybe somebody else. I think but, you guys are on the same level of yeah. what I'm thinking. So that's that's the thing with with so much nostalgia happening, and you know, like that that song is as iconic as the doll at this point maybe less but um i feel like just to do the fan service which is a really big trend in hollywood right now like of course you have to do that but then again they didn't do it for ghostbusters and i thought maybe the weekend would do it who knows i think there's some controversial lyrics in that song that there may are? be the reason why well there's a whole paragraph ghostbusters? about it here apparently mattel who filed a lawsuit against MCA Records, who was a pub, you know, the record that published the song, and MCA Records is now part of Universal Music, um, and the lawsuit was all about there's some um, suggestive language and there's a flirtatious tone because in the song I think Ken sa- Ken says like kiss me here or touch me there, or oh not 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 Ghostbusters I was you like, can undress me everywhere. I was like yeah there's that undress there's me that everywhere. yeah. Um, but you know, they've Maybe changed they can cut lyrics that before. They could. They've changed lyrics before. Maybe they can like Al Yankovic that part. Um, they could absolutely turn could. it into something I mean, else. It's, it's that's not even the most iconic part of the song. It's just all you need is I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. It could literally. They've changed lyrics before. They could do it. What again. would? Hey Roland, since you brought this up, what would Doja Cat's version sound like? I don't, cause I've, I'm not, I'm not, a, it, I didn't even know what Doja Cat was until like last year. You did your um, Halloween costumes video, and Doja Cat was a uh, thing. Oh really? One. Yeah, I think in that video you were like, "What is a Doja Cat?" or something like that, and it, and then you were like, "Oh yeah," cause she was one of the people you reviewed her Halloween costume. Yeah, that's how uh, Doja Cat's dope. She's been uh she's been killing it. Her, uh, I know that she came by Boone, which is where I went to college, uh, 2019, and mm-hmm. she was becoming really hot then. 
so she she's been around for a little bit but she's like um how do i explain genres are so hard to explain nowadays i don't know if anybody else is feeling that same problem but because there's like so the, many it's the too many things. cooks problem it's the mcu everything's trying to yeah. do everything yeah i mean movies and music and like, like tv show well not tv shows but there's there's a lot of blending that's going on but she's uh i guess hip-hop if yeah. you if you want to do it like to the bare necessities uh mm. she's cool though um she's uh she definitely makes good use of like her internet and she's she's funny and I'm probably I'm probably giving her a bad <laughs> pitch after just bragging <laughs> about how I can do a pitch, but um, she's cool, and she gets uh, she gets the. the I think kids you're stalling up. because you don't want to tell us how it would sound. Yeah, that's kind of. Well, the I don't know, like I don't. Uh, Could you please drop a beat and and perform Barbie Girl in the style of Doja Cat? Uh, I'm trying to <laughs> say so. Wait. Uh, I'm a Barbie girl. The hands are really in necessary. In a Barbie world. I'm a Barbie girl. In a Barbie world. I don't, what am I, I'm doing. That is a reel. See you on Instagram. You know what's so funny? <laughs> I was at the end of it and I was like, Dan's going to make this a reel and I'm going to have I'm, to. I'm not the one who makes the reels. That's all Andrew. Andrew <laughs> makes the reels. Yeah, Andrew makes okay. the reels. Um, well, uh, yeah, that's the. Uh... <laughs> Hey, we talked about family. We talked about bidets, um, random stuff. A lot. I guess Barbie, a lot you can ground. file under that. Doja Cat. Sure. Yeah. Boomer question was, I, I, I don't know if that joke landed because I was asking you guys a Boomer question earlier in the in our chat, like, what is a Doja Cat? I just don't. Yeah. I I felt like, like I, I feel like is. now I'm starting to feel old because I'm. There's fewer fewer examples of music that comes out that I listen to that I'm like okay. Like, I feel yeah. like my playlist is cons constantly taking more stuff from back in the day than it is from stuff that's current. And yeah. it's starting to dry up. And I don't know if that just means, like, I'm hitting that age where my, my tastes are sort of it's not falling. A, it's not age. It's just that culture has passed us by. And now yeah. we are not the target demographic for everything. We are old. That feels sad. We are millennials. Yeah, you guys sad. are old. Yeah. How old are you, Ron? You guys, yeah. you, you guys, you guys. How old are you? Uh, how old are you? I'm 27. I'm I'm almost 28. Uh, I'm 22 at the end of this month. 22. Oh my yep. god, did not know that. He's a yeah, zoomer. You're really legal the age must... when we hired you. I'm just yeah, kidding. the mustache uh, covers my uh, youthfulness. Yeah. So I oh keep my. it. That's not a huge yeah. difference, though. It's Not like you'd be I'll, you know, I'll, I'll well, actually, no, I've changed quite a bit since I was 22. Yeah, that's fair. Boy, more on that later. <laughs> yeah, you know what we didn't get to talk about was something mm. like restore the Snyderverse or Roland's yeah. thought on I, how I Warner think that Brothers tells did. you. I think that tells you how people feel about the Snyderverse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have some thoughts. I feel like we should save that for like the second edition of Open Mic Night because I That's really would like to me. discuss, yeah. you know, the the whole Justice League and Batman versus Superman and all that stuff. And uh... oh gosh, I wish I, it was like four years ago because let me tell you something. I would have given you so much content about mm -hmm. the Snyderverse. You you have no idea. I wrote two papers about the Snyderverse and how Warner Brothers did them dirty. 
Wow. Can we can yeah. we can you send us a copy of those papers? Oh, I don't even know if I still have them. I could look. I could probably look. I would love I to too many read them paper. before we have a conversation about them. I know yes. in high school I was writing about the Dark Knight, and I even wrote a paper about that in college because of like how good the movie was and that the writing and and all the different ways in which the philo- like the philosophy of the movie and how it it doesn't make political statements, but it ties into like the politics of the day. Like I think you know. Movies that movies like that don't come around often that are blockbuster films that manage to cover so much ground in so many different ways and yet you can kind of watch them for you know on the surface level it's a Batman or it's a Joker or something like that you know anyway um, I feel like we're dragging at this point <laughs> yeah you, you want to call that a wrap on open mic that's a wrap on yeah. open mic <sighs> yeah um, so yes moving on what have we got. May's best. Oh, that's right. We prepared a list, a movie eliminator, so that we can we can stop wasting time wondering if we should see everything coming out because so much comes out on Netflix, on Hulu, in theaters, on HBO. There's just no way to keep up. Well, now there is. Now there's a movie eliminator prepared carefully and lovingly by your friends here at Oh So Curious. Can we take a look at that? Yeah, we can. You don't have time to watch all of the movies coming out this month. That's why we're going to help you decide what not to watch. Oh So Curious presents Movie Eliminator, May 2022. Tank House, The Bob's Burgers Movie, Senior Year, Homebound, The Twin, Firestarter, Anais in Love, Downton Abbey, A New Era, All My Puny Sorrows, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Top Gun, Maverick, Shepard, Captors, Escape the field. Don't waste your time. Actually, Firestarter does look good. Okay. We're back. We are back. And next time, we will be talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is supposed to be the epic bridge between cinematic universes. This is the visual effects feat of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. A Benedict Cumberbatch Abalooza. It's going to be epic, apparently. I'm excited for Sam Raimi. I'm a huge fan of him. I even have uh, the Evil Dead cabin in the back nice. if, oh. uh, for Eagle Eye viewers. I don't care about Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange stuff. I'm just going to say it. I think his portrayal is very fake hmm. and no bueno for me. You don't really fake because of what? Because of his American accent or? It's his <laughs> accent. It's how obvious his hair is. It's there's mm-hmm. just everything about him. You think he's too young to play the doesn't character? Doesn't sit well with. No, it's not about the age. It's not about. I don't know. It's, the thing is like, I know Benedict Cumberbatch is a good actor and I've Fantastic. seen him in, in, in multiple things and he, knocks it out of the park each time but this one i just can't stand i think his performance is terrible hmm. his it's, accent well, just seems very just flat and dry i've noticed with british actors playing american actors or playing american characters they they always push it into their nose a little bit and they they we become they become like nasally americans you know versus their yeah. british baritones like they they do this weird thing it's like, do they think that everybody, like, um, Dr. House, um, 
what's his name? Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. He was like the first guy to really do that. And now everybody, every British character sounds like House when they're an American. It's odd. I pay attention. Wow. The one thing I will say, I'll agree with you, Roland, is that hairline. Because after, it wasn't until I watched, um, what's that movie called? The Power of Dog, that nah. I realized just how much work they do to like give him the perfect hairline for every movie. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, you know, I. But it's it's sort of weird because it kind of leads me to what my thoughts are about like the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general because I feel like now they're in a position where they have to either introduce new A-list characters into their roster because like a lot of the previous generation are gone or elevate people to that next level. Like you obviously have, I think in this movie, they're going to try to elevate Scarlet Witch. Doctor Strange is taking on a more central role seemingly. But I feel like some of these characters are, they're starting to dive deeper into their catalog. And Mm. while they do a pretty good job of drawing interest, I just feel like the, the source material isn't as strong as what some of the, you know, those other characters had and that's that's what worries me and not just worries me sometimes they just don't connect i i don't know like this movie has so much going for it if you go by the trailers just the cameos alone will probably draw a lot of people but dr strange as a character was just not somebody who i ever truly felt endeared to i suppose yeah i i haven't seen any of the dr strange stuff i know that wandavision is like required watching for some of this um, I didn't see Shang-Chi. I didn't, you know, my last and actually like one of my first, I saw the Guardians of the Galaxy movies one and two. I saw Spider-Man, this most recent one. Um, and I will say like Marvel always does a good job of catching you up and making the story accessible if you haven't seen everything that comes before it. Um, mm. So I'm going to be going into this kind of blind, you know, with my only context being He's been part of the Avengers. He's a friend to Spider-Man. This is probably taking place after Into the... Not Into the Spider-Verse. After Homecoming. Did you see the first No, Doctor No Way Home. No Way Home. They, no way home. they yeah. all have home in the title. That's yeah. the, it can kind of get confusing, you know? It like can. it was... Yeah. Um, did I see what? The first did you Doctor see the first Strange? Doctor Strange? No. Okay. Uh, all right. No. But I'll be honest, thing, that like... movie was pretty inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. If anything, that felt like they did a lesser version of the Iron Man movie, the mm. first Iron Man movie, because he came across as like a Tony Stark, except he was a doctor and not an engineer. Um, it, just the personality traits. I'm not saying like, like his vocational stuff or the personality traits were the same. I mean, there was some good stuff about that movie, but even visually, I feel like people like that went to see that movie and they were like, oh, they did that Inception thing because of things like Seascapes yeah. folding in. And I like yeah. the visuals. I think Mads Mikkelsen was a good part of that film, but it's just in, in the in the grand scheme of things, that first Doctor Strange movie was sort of like, is there so you can now have a reason for Doctor Strange to exist in the world? without him just randomly showing in an Avenger, up in an Avengers movie, which yeah. I think it's like after that movie, the next one he's in, he makes like a cameo in the Thor Ragnarok, and then he's yep. in Avengers Infinity War. So you really don't get a lot of screen time for him from that point to Infinity War, and he's a big part of Infinity War. So I see the reason for that movie to exist, but I don't. Uh, I guess they could know, have introduced uh, him like Black Panther in Civil War. I would have taken that too, so... They jump around so much in time and space and these things that, like, 
you know, you it, everything sort of in media res, you could just like, I guess this is where we are in a story. And they're entertaining and they do plenty of fan service in these movies. When you can show up in any, you know, number of movies per year, I'm just wondering about the type of residual payments these guys get because they're in everything, even if just for a couple frames, you know, like we talked about Daredevil showing up in Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like he's now in that movie and now that can movie appear... made like $2 billion. One I know. And now he can appear in any Marvel movie yeah. going forward. Um, and if he does, it's like, that's what a, just financially, what a wonderfully wonderful way to get set up with residuals as an actor being in the MCU. I don't know. Well, that was my main takeaway just now. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I thought Daniel was going to say <laughs> something. And he just left you hanging. No, no. I <laughs> uh, I just, I'll, I'll say this. I haven't bought my tickets for this movie yet, and I am worried mm-hmm. that I won't be able to go see it before we do our next episode. Oh, and really? so, like, that is something that I've got on my mind right now. Because it is... A movie that when it, the tickets went on sale, it, it it like you know started crashing some servers or at least things were going pretty slow and like Fandango had some trouble. I know the AMC mm. site crashed for for a short while and I don't know if that's a reflection of those sites not being set up well enough because the pre-sales were not as good as Spider-Man uh, no, uh, no Way Home, but it was you know really good. So there's a lot of people who are gonna go see it on the first weekend. I just think this is one of those movies where the expectations have been set so high. There's a high chance that a lot of people might walk out disappointed because they've got all these theories for things that are going to happen, which will probably not happen. So that's, that's my, my concern. I mean, I'm going into it thinking I'm sort of in the same mindset for this that I was for the Batman because the Batman hype kept on going for so long that eventually it's sort of, I sort of like got over it and I was like, I don't know, I've seen so much of this and it may not be that good. And then I started to doubt my own hype and I feel like with this movie, the same thing has happened. And I remember my experience watching the Batman in IMAX, mind you, yeah. was not nearly as good as when like a month later I watched it at home on, on my 65 inch TV with my home theater sound. And I'm like, how mm. did I have a better experience watching it at home than on IMAX with like the giant screen and the huge sound system? And I think it's because my expectations were different. So I yeah. feel like that's going to happen with me on this one, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But... You know, I'm actually optimistic about it. Um, there is definitely a lot of hype. Um, I've been seeing a lot of matinees lately, which is a good way to hack the ticket things. Also, theaters have been kind of empty, but maybe that's just a matinee thing. I think it's a matinee um, thing, yeah. But yeah, that's that's my life hack. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a question? Do you Always. often go see movies like on your own or do you feel compelled to like bring somebody with you? Um, you mean like when I go to the movies, do I go alone? Yeah, like I mean, especially like say, for example, it's a matinee and you need to go. I don't know. Like, did you go see memory with somebody or was that just like a solo trip to the theater? Uh, almost everything that I've seen in theaters for the last like two years which isn't a lot because some of those two years were locked down, but um, I've seen alone. Yeah. Hmm. And I actually, I like going to the movies. Um, I actually prefer going to the movies alone because, you know, I'm, I like to be engrossed by whatever media I'm taking in with music. I like 
having headphones and I like blasting it and just really taking it all in. Um, with movies, to have distractions is annoying. I agree with you though, like I have fewer distractions at home, but you can't beat the sound of a theater. You can't beat the screen of a theater. Um, I like the coming attractions. I like, you know, all of that stuff. I do not care for the virtual reality, augmented reality pre-show stuff um, or the regal newbie stuff where it's like a YouTube video on screen with people. It's like what we do, but right before the movie. Um, I don't, I don't know, know if you've been that. seeing any of that stuff. I've never seen that. Oh, I mean, gosh. If it's they're a just rolling it out over here, anything. let me tell you, something obnoxious <laughs> is coming your way. Gotcha. I know with like AMC theaters, but you know, what's always annoying is they play way too many trailers in front of most movies. So like you're sitting there for 20 minutes watching trailers. Yeah. And then right before the movie starts, you get that Nicole Kidman commercial. And she's oh my gosh, was, yes. The first time I saw that, I was like, what the hell? I'm in the theater yeah. waiting to watch a movie and I'm at AMC and now I'm getting an AMC commercial. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to promote it. We're here. You have our money. You don't have to, to do all this. Yeah. So there, there's another theater, um, like a chain out here, the Lemley Theaters, and they show mostly independent films. Um, yeah. But like every once in a while, they have a, a what do you call general release movie. Um, they're great small family-owned theater chain. And I, I, why did I bring them up? Uh, <laughs> what were you that, saying? Uh, advertisements before. Yeah. Oh, the advertisement before. So they actually showed a short film from a like a winning film festival. Okay. Um, that was brilliant, and it was like it was a really interesting alternative, and I think it would be a fun way to get people back into theaters if they could like compete to get their short film shown on a screen right before a movie. That would be awesome. I, I would, would love, love that. that. You know, and I, and you yeah. would get to see all of these. Um, creative individuals you get people back into theaters um you know and they're already going to see a movie so why not it'd be a wonderful platform to just show what other talent is out there i would look because here's the thing if you gave me 25 minutes of pre-show stuff but then you showed like three because i think this was what it was it alamo draft house or it was it was like a theater in la that is no longer there they closed down during the pandemic and they had like a rule where they would only show you three trailers before the movie started and then you know it's the movie and they would they had but you know they had like a very custom like the experience they gave you was different than what you get at regal and amc and it was very much like the strict rules about like don't have your phone on during the movie and yeah. stuff and somebody would come and like actually like tell you to stop like turn your phone off and stuff but <laughs> like in high not, school uh, yeah yeah called that in front of the but talking about like yeah <laughs> Having too many trailers and stuff, I I would be down if they showed like three trailers, and then like you said, show a short film. Like I'm down like ten minute, fifteen minute short film. Like Pixar sometimes, like some Pixar movies have like a short film attached to them. Yeah, no, that that. was always wonderful. It's a it's a movie tradition where like Looney Tunes or the Three Stooges, like those were shorts. Or Tom and Jerry before Tom and Jerry. Yeah, all stuff that you would see before a movie, you know. And trailers, by the way have gotten so formulaic in yeah. how they do the sound. It's very quiet. And then, <laughs> and then, right. <laughs> whispered thing. Do you think that? And then, <laughs> it's just, 
it's not even I, jarring anymore. It's just yeah. like, yeah, it sounds like a trailer. Everybody wants say... to make that first Inception trailer with Hans Zimmer's music. Like that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think that trend has not never gone away since. And yeah. 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 I think there's a lot of creativity left to be desired. I don't know. Uh, I'm very lucky trailers. because I don't have the whole like uh, people, you know, using their phones or talking and stuff. Which again, very grateful. But the only time we'll talk is during the trailers, mm-hmm. and we'll be like, "Yeah, we'll watch that," or "No, that looks terrible," or like, "Put me down for a maybe." I do miss. Yeah. I do miss being in a crowded theater, though. Yeah. Like it doesn't happen like, often when you're these part days. of. I know when you're part of a crowd, yeah. and it's like you hear everybody's little reactions like that, and it's like, "Oh yeah. man, that actually that worked on some people." I know. Was, you know, I haven't been in a packed theater, and that's such an experience. Yeah, you know, well, I think because that's... It, it makes it so much interactive. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it just makes it so much interactive, and it enhances the movie even more. Yeah. Because you can tell everybody else is excited, and it's it's genuine. It's not like it's scripted or they're putting it in there like in post. It's it's so fun, and then whenever there's like a sad moment, it's there's just this intense silence that just yeah, washes you. over everybody. Ah, uh, it's yeah. great. That's it's the one true of those magic, I think, of cinema, together. like the true value. Like it's unique to a theatrical experience versus you can watch it with dozens. Like, you know, even if you have like your own personal theater at home and you have like the theater style seating and stuff, even then you'll never have like the feeling of unless you are like one of those super rich people, which I there's probably, you know, you can count the number of people who have that kind of an experience in their house, like on maybe two hands at, at best who have mm-hmm. like 50 seats in their home theater but yeah. you'll never get that full auditorium like reacting to one thing yeah and the mix of all these different people yeah from all different walks of life showing up at a place with incredible sound incredible picture and a message that's meant for all of them and it resonates right. with everybody sometimes exactly the same way sometimes in all these different ways and yeah. you know that's the complexity of film is it's not made just for you it's art that's meant to be interpreted a million different ways and part of that is getting the other people's reactions so all that to say um i hope the theater is packed for this i hope that when we go to see the theater we go to see dr strange in the theater um that like you know it i'm hoping that we get more movies that do that uh yeah I think this is going to be one of those movies. Uh, even if you go to a matinee on opening weekend, you'll probably have a packed house because there'll be a lot of other people like you who are trying to sneak in a viewing at a time when it's easy to get hold of tickets. It's also probably easier time of day to go there rather than, you know, you see a lot of families coming in to see movies in the evening hours. And sometimes that could become a distraction potentially if they're young kids and, you know, they're getting un- um, unsettled. So, I'm excited to see this movie. I, I don't know if you guys want to get into any kind of predictions for who's showing up in this, but um, or even if you have any interest in that, uh, I figured. I I, I have a boy Bruce Campbell. Track. Bruce, the what? Sorry. Bruce Campbell. Bruce. Oh, oh yeah. well, well, who? What? Um, as who? As I don't Ash? Know, but I, I, I just want it to happen. I I don't care who it is. He could play. <laughs> I, I I've heard a theory that he might play like. A different version of Doctor Strange, that would be, and I could maybe see that happening, or maybe it'll be. Um, he was planning on being. Um, oh, what was his name? You know what? You know what? Um, 
You know what? I do have a prediction. No. Not a Ash. No, no. I do no, have a prediction. Uh, okay, tell me your prediction. I think because they hinted at this in um in Spider-Man that who was it? Was it Electro who said I just figured Spider-Man would be black. Um we've seen into the Spider-Verse with Miles black. Morales. <laughs> that was I <laughs> I yeah, it was a funny scene. Oh, I see where you're getting at. I have a feeling as long as we're introducing other Marvel universes, I wouldn't be surprised if they introduce Miles Morales live action and show us uh, that version of Spider-Man in this movie. It could be it could be something that we see. Well, just to kind of so CinemaCon happened this past week, and Phil Lord and Chris Miller came out and they talked about the the, the next two Spider Verse movies, the animated ones. Twenty mm -hmm. then one is gonna come out in twenty twenty three, the next one in twenty twenty four. I think the first the this the first of those two sequels was supposed to come out this year, then it got pushed. Right. And they yeah. were talking about obviously they showed some footage from it. I don't think it's gonna become public for a while, and then. Um, I think it, it was on the same day, but then Disney and Marvel had their presentation to the to the theater owners, and Kevin Feige came out and he talked about like the next ten year plan that they have for the that they were like we they didn't really give too many details, but they said we've got like the next years plotted out, next ten years plotted yeah. out, and one thing that a lot of people were thinking about going into this Doctor Strange movie is they're gonna like close out all this multiverse thing here yeah, rather than but... continuing it. You close those doors, it also opens up all these other ones. I, that's, you know, if yeah. it's, if I'm going to say that that's my prediction, if they don't follow up on it, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to say it's a missed opportunity. Um, well, so Kevin Feige but, said, it said some, something along the lines of this is now, this multiverse is now another tool in our toolbox. We're using it now and it's a big part of like the current phase of films, but yeah. we can always go back to it in the future. So they're not, I think, he pretty much expressly stated that this movie is not going to be the end of the the multiverse coming to play within the MCU. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Professor X is going to be in this one. We know Patrick Stewart's coming back. We don't know which version of that, you know, Professor X we, we're seeing, whether it's the one from the Fox movies or, or some other version. So you could probably, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think the Mordo that is in this movie, played by Achievatel Ejiofor, even he, I don't think, is the same Mordo as what we saw in the first Doctor Strange movie. I feel like this is a variation of him. Uh, I know he's grown out his hair, hair, but I don't know if that's... That's not my only reason for saying that, because I think when he's got this line in the trailer where he says, the biggest threat to the multiverse, uh, Stephen, is you. Something along those lines, right? And he's talking to Doctor mm -hmm. Strange, but then we have seen variants of Doctor Strange in the trailer. So I'm right. thinking it's possible that this Mordo is like from a different parallel universe who's been fighting a different version of Doctor Strange who's an evil version and now our version of Doctor Strange gets pulled into the fray so obviously the Illuminati people are thinking maybe we'll get um, Fantastic Four Reed Richards in there maybe John Krasinski is going to play him there's really? thoughts huh really John Krasinski well because he's I, like a fan casting favorite like they never yeah. officially said anything but like like uh, Tom Cruise was at one at one point in the running to play Iron Man before Robert Downey Jr. got it. Yeah. So there's apparently there's Ultron robots in the trailers. You've seen them like when they're bringing Strange into that chamber. So they yeah. think that's connected to the ultimate. Was it Ultimate Iron Man? What is it called? The Superior Iron Man? Role like role, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 
It's like, it's like an evil version of Iron Man from an alternate reality. And there's out of, theories out of curiosity, that... are there yeah. other fan castings for the Fantastic Four that you know about? <sighs> well, uh, they also want... Yeah, go ahead, Roland. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, John Krasinski's real-life wife, Emily Blunt, they want to play Sue Storm. Um, it's the most diverse one has always been Johnny Storm. Right. I've seen so many, like there was Zac Efron, there was a... Yeah. Some people want Zac Efron to play Wolverine, the new one in the... They do? Some, some I've seen that. Yeah. These are mind-blowing in and of themselves. Just Very niche wants uh, Daniel Radcliffe to play Wolverine as well. Whoa. Well, because Wolverine in the comics is tiny, and all we've been used to on in, in on screen is Hugh Jackman, who's like six feet tall, six feet yeah. some inches tall. So it would be like, a, it would be comic accurate. But I think for most people who know Wolverine from those movies, which uh, Hugh Jackman, it will be like throw them off. Like Daniel Radcliffe, like he's there's a huge difference yeah. in physical stature there. So. Um, and I don't know how much muscle he can put on. Like Hugh Jackman would get ripped for those. Yeah. I don't know. We're 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 gonna have to see how much hair he can put on for the Weird Al movie. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I think we have dissected this movie enough for now. Let's see what yeah. <laughs> it actually has to offer when it comes out in a week um, or less than a week. We're doing this on a Sunday. The movie's coming out in like four days, so I'm sure we're all gonna get a chance to see it. I gotta find my tickets. Or Same. get my tickets. Um, well, is that it? Is that the show? I oh think my that, gosh. that's it. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share and spread the word about Oh So Curious. We're growing every day. We are reaching out to more and more platforms. Right now, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram and get nicely condensed clips and birthday reminders of celebrities and whatnot. We do a lot of different things. Um, comment, that other stuff. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.